0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, Pastor Elliot begins to preach through the true story of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, teach us that God being everywhere either makes you glad or makes you mad, depending on whether you are obeying. Or disobeying God i now Pastor Robert Elliott
1: the word of the Lord came to Jonah it says in verse 1 of course the Bible was not fully revealed when this happened so how the word of the Lord came to Jonah we're not entirely sure it might have been by a dream it might have been by a vision it might have been by an audible voice we don't know but we do know that now that the Bible is completed the word of the Lord comes to us through the Bible what a privilege The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. It's interesting in this chapter, we're going to see, generally speaking, that to move in the Lord's direction is moving upward, and to move in a sinful direction is moving downward. I'll point this out to you as the chapter is taught. So God says to this man named Jonah, Arise and go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians, the Assyrians were the arch enemies of the Jews. The Assyrians were particularly renowned for their cruelty, brutality in war. They were an intimidating enemy. People who knew anything about them were terrified by their reputation. And God says to his Jewish servant, Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. Go to the capital city of brutal enemies of Israel and cry against their sin. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. This, of course, does not mean that all of a sudden the holy God in heaven became aware of the wickedness of the Ninevites. No, he was intimately acquainted with all the wickedness of all the Ninevites for all time. But what it is saying is that their wickedness had reached a tipping point. A tipping point in God's character. A tipping point in God's mind and heart. And it was time to warn them. And if they didn't respond to God's warning to judge them And so God taps this man named Jonah on the heart and says, arise, doing the will of God is always going up. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But, the word but in scripture is a game changer. When you see the word but in the Old and the New Testament, something radically different is happening, either for the good or for the bad. Here, this but is for the bad. Clear commissioning, clear command. Jonah's told without doubt what God wants him to do, and then there's a but. But Jonah rose up to flee, to Tarshish. Where Jonah was when God spoke to him, Nineveh was 500 miles northeast from where Jonah was when God told him what to do. Jonah decided to get on a ship to go 2,000 miles northwest of where he was when God gave him the orders. So he is in Palestine. God says, go 500 miles northeast to my enemies, the Assyrians, and warn them about their sin. Jonah says, nope. Probably he was too scared to do it, or he may have been too prejudiced to do it, but he was not interested in doing what God clearly told him to do, so he gets on a ship to go 2,000 miles northwest instead of 500 miles northeast. Whenever we choose to disobey God, it takes more time and effort than obeying Him. Jonah is told to go 500 miles northeast. He decides to go 2,000 miles northwest. Whether he's Doing that because he's scared, probably. Whether he's doing that because he hates the Assyrians and doesn't want God to save them, probably, as we'll find out in the last chapter of the book. But nonetheless, he rose to flee to Tarshish, verse 3, from the presence of the Lord. That's a joke. Because the Lord's everywhere, right? Our God is omnipresent. We can't flee from our God. Hold your place in Jonah and go with me to Psalm 139. You know, the fact that God is everywhere either makes you glad if you're obeying him or mad if you're disobeying him. And in Psalm 139, starting at verse one, it teaches that God is omnipresent, everywhere at all times. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thought from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. Thou hast enclosed me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is too high, I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the Hebrew word for the grave. If I make my bed in the grave, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell on the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. So old Jonah was poor in his theology. Oftentimes when God tells us something to do, and we choose to disobey knowing what God has told us to do, that even what we knew to be true about God, we get confused about, or we deny. And so here this man named Jonah is told to go 500 miles northeast, to Nineveh. He decides to get on a ship to go 2,000 miles northwest in disobedience and he's trying to flee from the presence of a God who is everywhere. Maybe you've had a time in your life where you knew what God wanted you to do but you didn't want to do it and you did your own thing and you thought somehow you're going to get away from God and you found out later you couldn't. The fact that God is everywhere either makes you very glad if you're obeying him or makes you very mad if you're trying to disobey him. Verse three, but Jonah went up, rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, that's a sea town, seaside town, port, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare. By the way, whenever you disobey God's will that he's told you is his will, it costs you. Jonah had to pay a fare to get on the ship. And when we disobey God and go our own direction, it will cost us. Tony Campolo in one of his books, has pointed out that there's always a price tag attached to any sin. But what Satan does is he switches the price tags so that he puts a lower than actual price tag on any sin so that when we come to that sin or face whether we're going to do that sin or not do that sin, the phony lower price tag lets us think we can afford that sin. But all sin has a price tag. Jonah had to pay a fare to go on the ship that was going in the wrong direction from God's will for him. He paid the fare, verse 3, and went down. When we disobey the Lord, we go down. He went down into it, the ship, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4. And the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. And there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Will you notice that it was the Lord who stirred up the wind, stirred up the waves, sent the storm for his purposes? This wasn't happen chance. This wasn't coincidence. This wasn't some weather front that God had nothing to do with. This was God getting the sailor's attention and Jonah's attention through a very wicked and violent storm. By the way, it must have been a terribly bad storm for a ship that was designed to go from Palestine to Spain. That's where Tarshish was. It had to be a seaworthy ship. This was no dinghy. This was no flimsy boat. This was a seafaring boat used by sailors who used this boat to make a living. And it started to be tossed in that violent storm, such that it was almost going to break up. The integrity of the hull and the boat itself was almost going to fail, so that they would sink in the storm. These were not novice men of the sea, these were experienced sailors, and they knew when a ship was about to break up, and they were scared. Verse 5 Then the sailors became afraid. And every man cried to his God. That's just like today. We have designer idols today in America.
0: Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000, or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott.
1: Well, good morning. I'm very pleased this morning to be in our radio studio with two close friends and dear partners in the ministry, the Executive Director of our Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Good morning, Pastor Frederick. Good morning, Pastor. And uh, his dear wife, uh, Sister Helen Arnett, who is the Director of Counseling Services at our Christian Counseling Center. Good morning, Sister Helen.
2: Good morning, Pastor.
1: (laughs) We're just going to chat a little bit this morning about uh, counseling in general. And um, I have a question that I'd like to float out there to you. Is going to counseling somehow unspiritual?
2: Uh, No, I don't think going to counseling is unspiritual. I think it shows maturity and it shows that... You recognize you have a problem and you want to address that. So I don't think it's unspiritual. I think it really adds to a person who decides that I need help and I'm going to go and seek help.
1: Yes, I agree. I I don't think the adage, well, good Christians just don't need counseling, (laughs) has any uh, merit. I think that counseling, really everyone needs biblical counseling. And so I encourage people to seek it out. Okay, that's great. How about another question here? Um, do secular counseling techniques ever properly combine with biblical counseling techniques to the glory of God?
2: Yes, I think um secular, if you integrate both worldviews, you can come up with a good model. I know um, quite a bit like with Maslow, but hierarchy of needs. I see that as being very important. People are in need, and if we don't meet their basic need, like for shelter or food or clothing, they, they're they not going to be very happy when they come to seek counseling. So I think he was secular, and then you can look at a biblical need saying, as Jesus said, um, as you would that man should do to you, you do to others. So you, you want to be listened to, and you want your needs to be met as a believer, so that ungodly man or woman who's... Knocking on the door, seeking help, might not want to hear a sermon on all of the psychological cliches. They might want to say, okay, I'm out of a job, and we can probably do a good investigation and see how we can help them either pay the rent or go to the supermarket or go to the in as much pantry and support that need.
1: Very good. The um, secular counseling would be trumped by. Biblical counseling, if, if the two were at odds, I, I would assume.
2: Yes, 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 yes.
1: yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about psychiatric uh, prescribed medications? Uh, do you see a place for that in the Christian's life?
2: Yeah, I see a place for that. I um, quite often when uh, persons present with anxiety or um, psychotic mood disorder or shared psychotic disorder um, we don't have meds and we are not in a position to prescribe meds so I normally would recommend them to a psychiatrist who can then give the meds and help them to manage the meds and they come to us for the counseling
3: yes another uh, point too is I, I believe there are times when individual comes to us and medication is necessary, therefore, uh, we would recommend them to a psychologist or psychiatrist yes um because they may not be in a position to even concentrate yes. to the point where they are getting anything from us, but if they're getting the help through medication, and once that begins to uh set in and work, then they can come back to us, even if they are coming during the process of that time. I have found that they are more open to what you have to say. That's great. I think uh, someone pointed out to me a while ago that the difference between a
1: psychologist and a psychiatrist is that a psychologist is not a medical doctor. No, no, no. But a psychiatrist, psychiatrist. is a yes. medical doctor. Yes. A medical doctor for the mind. Yes, And so many times uh, when we have problems with our minds, mm. we need a psychiatrist who mm-hmm. can prescribe medicine when yes. necessary. Yes. And what I find as a pastor, and I'd like our listeners to know, is that I think it's a shame if any church assembly... Uh, has a stigma attached to a person needing prescribed medications for their mind because we sure don't have a stigma when a doctor prescribes medicines for diabetes or for heart problems or for any other, other kind of physical problem. So I think that we want to be a church at Calvary Bible Church that doesn't attach stigma to mental illness. Uh, at least 15% of any population you want to sample is suffering from f- some form of mental illness in their lifetime. Yes. So it's not a small group of persons and they're dear to God and there's hope for them. And I agree that combining proper pharmaceutical prescribed medicines when necessary and biblical based counseling is the answer to help these precious souls. Yes. All right, let's move on then to another question. Overall, what do you feel is the ideal outcome for all persons who undergo professional biblical counseling and who come under medical care for mood or mental disease or disorder? What's the ideal outcome, do you think?
2: I think for me, a person or a couple, the ideal outcome uh, should be that they can go away after a number of sessions and use the tools that have been shared or given to them. Because unless you use your tools, you're not going to get anywhere or you want to work as a team. Because I find that many couples, they're into blaming and they're into negative talk that doesn't help. Like they fight against each other. So you have to come and work as a team. (laughs) Because um, I think it was Al Capino who said, either we heal as a team or we will die as individuals. Mm. And we can be very bitter. If we don't work together, so I, I really want to encourage to have a good outcome. You want to be sure you're coming to say, I can't change my wife or my husband or my boyfriend or girlfriend, but I can work on myself. Yes. And together we are interdependent. I need you. You need me. Yes. And we're going to work as a theme to see what we can do and not depend on just in this session when we leave here, we have, to, we have work to do.
3: Mm-hmm. One of the most important things for me when a client comes in is to try to determine where they are spiritually. Yes. Because I can't do anything by myself as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I am always concerned about not only getting them healed physically, But knowing that, number one, they find a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, I am careful about that. If uh, someone comes in and we have had people who came in to our center and said, you know, uh, I know these Christian places, all they want to do is beat you over your head with the Bible. We don't do that. If I am going to pray, I would ask permission. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to, I said, fine, Uh, you know, it's okay Mm -hmm. with me. But I'll be honest with you. You came into a Christian counseling center and I can't do without praying. I'm going to pray silently and I would pray silently while you share with me. And I have found that over the years, even though there were those who didn't want to pray at the beginning, After so many sessions, they would ask, can we pray? And now
0: today's personal God story. Well, this morning, I'm very
1: pleased to have in our radio studio, Darren Clare. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Pastor Rob. We are going to help Darren share with you um, some exciting parts of his particular God story. And I'd like to ask you first, brother, how was it that you came to discover that you needed Jesus Christ to be your savior?
4: Well that the discovery first came about at about the age of seven when one of my brothers he shared the gospel with me and he wanted me to believe in Jesus with all my heart and I was with my little seven-year-old heart I just saying I believe I believe yes I'm sure I believe and <laughs> he was really emphasizing it that you had to believe it so Um, And with all my heart at that time, I I did. Yes. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and forbid them not,
1: for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And Mm -hmm. I, too, trusted Jesus to be my personal Savior very young. And uh, Mm -hmm. all I really knew was uh, that I was a sinner and that Jesus paid for my spanking that I should have had from God. Mm -hmm. And that uh, if I trusted him, as you say, completely, he would save me. So that's great. What positive changes have you seen Jesus making in your life since that little boy decision to trust him?
4: <laughs> well, I would say um, a lot of those changes, I didn't notice as much as a little kid, but as I became older, say um, a pivotal point, I would say definitely took place at age 16 because mm-hmm. I think I was just in my kiddie zone most of my young life. Sure, sure. <laughs> But uh, at about the age of 16, that's when I heard the gospel again with um talking about Nicodemus and saying um, being born again, Mm -hmm. which is born of water is water, born of flesh is flesh. And that really hit me that if I wasn't born again, that I knew that it was a a future of hell in a sense. And I said, you know what, I really didn't want that. And um, I think that was the point when the Holy Spirit really took grip of me at that time. And um, I wasn't nearly as negative or judgmental or lustful, in a sense, just mm-hmm. with that human fleshly nature, I, it was a real change. I noticed how Christians were and where to find them in the school, because I remember them. I you, people always know them. You, you spot them in the school pretty easily. And once I noticed that change has really taken place, I was able to find them. And I had a greater desire to get into God's word, and I wanted to read it. That's marvelous. Um, you've referenced the gospel a couple of times, and just in
1: case there might be a listener there that is unclear what that is. Basically, the the Bible's definition of the gospel is that Christ has died for sins Mm -hmm. and arisen from the dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 5. Essentially, that's what the good news of the gospel is, that Jesus has died for our sins and he has been raised from the dead. So it sounds like you trusted him in a simple childlike way at seven. Uh And then later on, uh, around the age of 16, some of the... Uh, depth of the beauty of that gift became more clear to you. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, here's another thing I'd like the listeners to know as you answer, Brother Darren. Uh, As you um, have relatively recently become a married man and a dad, what Mm -hmm. uh, would you say have been some of the positive impacts that your salvation has brought to your current life?
4: Okay. Um, I would... uh, definitely say the one of the biggest changes or things that would help Mm -hmm. the most is with the Holy Spirit leading me because you really need the Holy Spirit's help (laughs) for sure sure. and um, definitely in the sense of being married because you committed to someone for life yes, and you would need the Holy Spirit's help because you could easily get into your flesh if you're not careful but with the Holy Spirit leading my life it helps me to make more godly choices to make sure I lead her in the right way and Lead my daughter in the right way, also being a good uh, father to her, um, with making more positive decisions to help us all grow in righteousness and godliness. Also, doing this, through the process of doing this, with uh, prayer and Bible study, making sure my wife is loved, nourished, and feels emotionally and physically secured. And the same for my daughter. Praise the Lord. That's beautiful. Tell the listeners how long uh, you and Kimberly have been married now. Well, it's nearing two years because we got married That was September 2014. So it's nearing two years.
1: Wonderful. And I know that I can attest to those who may not get to see you come into the church building week by week by week. But they have a (laughs) a glow and a joy that only Jesus can bring to a young family. And why don't you tell the listeners uh, your beautiful daughter's name? Uh, that's Alicia Joy. <laughs> Alicia Joy. Wonderful. And what a special <laughs> gift she is to you and all of us. Mm-hmm. Last question, brother. Mm-hmm. What would you say this morning to the listener who may be out there somewhere in his 20s or her 20s? Okay. And um, really not sure about does Jesus Christ fit into their life and and if he does how how would you say that jesus christ can positively impact a person
4: in in your age or stage of life in their 20s well i would say uh oh salvation that would definitely help you with coming into church and being part of a local body because i could i could definitely testify to that with my mother's death fairly recently too that was about a year or so before i got married Mm -hmm. um and just knowing how the church body would be there to comfort you and protect you and just be there for you physically and also financially Mm -hmm. with the church giving financially and also with individuals wanting to give uh, know their time their love and is very much appreciative and you could see god's love at work so Mm -hmm. uh, being a part of a local body it's no, it's it's, it's priceless because I even had it there with my wife again when she was on bed rest with the pregnancy. It was a difficult one and the church body was just right there again, fully supportive. So, you know, I would um strongly encourage our local church attendance with uh, some genuine believers. Make sure you're part of a, a real church because a lot of floppy churches would be out there, so to speak. But um, be part of one that's really into Jesus Christ and Wanting to spread his love, his joy, his peace, that happiness and that unity. Yes. Jessica's, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So
1: you're saying that um, as a young person who knows Christ as Savior, that you've seen the huge positive impact it can have to be part of a spiritual family called a church. Yes. And you don't have to do life alone you have people that care for you
4: yes Mm -hmm. you would have that loving support and it's so important to be a part of a a local body of believers and not to be isolated to yourself especially being a male like wanting to stand on your own two feet it's good to have that support and to humble yourself even if you just talk to one other male in the church just to have that help and to to stand on your feet that's a great point because a lot of uh,
1: Bahamian men in their 20s Uh, Mm -hmm. struggle with not having a dad in their life for for whatever Mm -hmm. reasons and Mm -hmm. so to be in a a church which a healthy church is across all generations of ages and stages of life can be a real real help Mm -hmm. and uh, I like that expression I've never heard that but uh, don't be in a floppy church (laughs) (laughs) I think that's pretty good in my opinion a floppy church is a church that's not very clear or biblical Mm -hmm. about why they exist That's so true. (laughs) Yeah, church doesn't exist to puff up a pastor or to uh, do anything else except to exalt Jesus Christ by winning the lost to him for salvation and then uh, helping those new converts to Christ grow up into the full uh, stature and maturity of Christ as yes. a Christ follower. Yes. And so by God's grace I believe that Calvary Bible church <laughs> is not a floppy church. Not a fluffy one at all. <laughs> and we thank God for that. Well Darren, thank you so much for coming into the studio to share some
0: of your God story and You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 AM and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.